Sports Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Sports Charlotte. I'm your host, Ashley Mahoney, and joining us today is Charlotte 49ers women's soccer coach, John Cullen. John, thank you so much for joining us today. And it is Thursday. We are almost halfway through September, and it is an interesting time to be a 49er or to be in the sphere of college athletics period. So we'll start with a simple question. How are you? Um, good morning, Ashley. Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Um, you know, obviously, you know, this is the time of year that we'd normally be getting ready for our season or be in season. But um, it's, an, as you said, a unique time, challenging time. But uh, really enjoying still the training that we've been permitted to do and allowed to do and um, our interaction with the players. Um, uh, you know, we've had an extended version of a pre-season. So we've had quality, quality time with the players, which is invaluable. Um, but from a day-to-day purpose, I think, you know, we're just staying in a good place. Um, we're preparing for eventuality of a season coming, hopefully, in the spring. Now, tell me about when you got the news that the season for the fall had been postponed to the spring. Well, I think, you know, when we did get the news, um, obviously, you know, it seems like a couple of weeks back now. I can't remember a specific date, but I think... Um, our administration had done a great job of, you know, telling us to prepare for every case scenario. Um, we were obviously, you know, going with the approach of being very adaptable. Um, and the Zoom calls we had with our players in the off-season, March through July and August, um, we were always telling them just to prepare and focus on what will become, um, but be open-minded to change and be open-minded to delays or even open-minded to postponement or cancellation. But So I don't think our players were completely taken back by the news. Um, you know, when they're following the national news and international news, they probably knew it was a possibility. Um, so when the news did officially come, I think it just provided a bit of clarity that, look, it's not going to happen um, in August, September, through the remainder of the fall. But um, I think the excitement level was still there that it's every intent to try and get the soccer season in, in the spring. Um, so, you know, I, I do think... Uh, there was a little bit of a silver lining for the players in a sense it gave them more time to adapt to college training, new coaches, new teammates, new surroundings. And, you know, as a, as a coach, you look for the silver linings, you look for the positives to come out of some adverse news. And, and the, the upbeat side of it was it gave us more time to connect as a group and get to know one another. Tell me about the changes the coaching staff during the offseason. Well, like like any uh, program in any sport, um, obviously you have to be mindful of you know your assistant coaches have the potential to move on or, or looking to move on. Um, so Michael Swan had been with us what five seasons, had done a fantastic job with us. Really enjoyed his work ethic, his quality of work. Um, but we were happy to see him have a situation where he could. Um, go out and be a head coach at Division One program. He'd been a Division Two coach at Catawba College, um, somewhere I previously coached at, and he came to Division One at Charlotte to kind of you know learn more about the intricacies of Division One, um, what it looks like, um, you know how the job somewhat changes. And so when the Marshall job came open, um, we were very supportive of it, even though we knew there are conference opponents. Um, it was a job that appealed to him in a sense that it was a school within the conference so we had some knowledge of his wife had family in that area so again from a personal and a family standpoint it was um it, it ticked the boxes so 
as as much as we hate to see Michael go, it's another opportunity to you know bring in new voices, new ideas, and new concepts to the program. Um, but before we looked to hire somebody, it was uh, you know the opportunity for me to promote Kim Cardell into the first assistant position, which I think she thoroughly deserves. Um, worked exceptionally hard. Um, is well liked and well respected, but by everybody, you know, the administration, the players, myself. Um, she's somebody that I highly think of as a person, as a player, and as a coach. Um, previously played with me at Catawba College and been at, with me now at Charlotte, what seemed like seven seasons. And just it was, uh, you know, the obvious choice for me as a coach to promote her into that role. So that gave us a vacancy to look for a new second assistant. And uh, we took our time, Kim and I. We, uh, we had multiple, multiple like people reach out with interest level in the position. And uh, we wanted to take our time. We didn't just want to fill the role within three days, even though we could have done that. We wanted to take the time and find somebody that would bring a freshness, bring something different, um, bring some innovative ideas, uh, a new voice. Somebody that, as you know, we felt like we could work alongside, but also challenge us as coaches and challenge our players. And so I got to know Luke Cheeky a little bit through ODP and regional camp, and uh, was able to observe some of his sessions and like the way he interacted with players, like his body demeanour and, and his sort of his training sessions were sharp, enthusiastic. His players were energetic, and you know, I thought that would be uh, something we'd like to bring to our program. And then when we started to get to know him through the interview process, um, we realised we had a lot more in common than just both from being England. We actually both played with the same football club at a different time. I'm obviously older than Luke. He's in his mid-30s. I won't tell you what age I am, but um, we both played at the same club. And then we've realised that we've got relatives in the same part of Southern Ireland. So kind of, you know, you never know somebody until, you know, you get out there in the soccer world and they say it's a very small world and we're all connected. And we realized that we did have some background from checks that we were very similar in um, our upbringing and family and, um, you know, our area. So it's been a great fit. He's been with us now since mid-March. Um, it's no sooner did he get on board. He did a couple of sessions and then COVID pandemic came in and we had to shut everything down. But um, been really excited about Luke's addition. Um, you know, I just think he's brought some quality, quality to our program help continue to raise the standard um, really pleased at the quality of his training um, how he interacts with the players and it's been a great fit tell me about the the club that you both played for at different times because like you said you know, the the world of this particular game I mean any sport it's particularly small but there's something about the soccer world where it is just a very 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 small world <laughs> Uh, we both played for a semi-pro club close by where we both lived. Um, we're, we're from around about the same area. The club was called Hanwell Town. Um, I think, I'm not sure what league they're anymore. They keep changing the, the league name. They've probably gone under five or six different names of uh, league name changes. But um, it's a semi-pro club. It was probably a, a, a good level for both of us coming through as youth team players. Um, you know, obviously we both played there, like I said, at different times. Um, a lot of those players were probably players that just got released from professional clubs like Brentford or Queen's Park Rangers or just the local, you know, professional organisations. So it was a, 
it was a good club. It was well well coached, well organized. Um, but it, obviously, for a young players, probably in, in our age at that time, neither one of us had a lot of transport outside of public transport. So you generally play with your local club. Um, but it was a good upbringing for me. I mean, you know, when you're a 16 year old playing alongside 24 and 26 year olds, it's a great uh, coaching experience. You know, playing as a youth team player amongst senior players and. Um, you know, I think that's something that most young players in England benefit from is playing with seasoned veterans, players that may be four years, eight years, ten years older than you. Um, you grow up pretty quick in the youth, the youth team and club team ranks back home and you can get thrust as a 16, 17 or 18 year old into the senior men's team and that happened for both of us. And we both had great experiences, um, similar coaches, um, but like I said, different eras, um, but uh, you know, from the standpoint of a, a player, I think it just tests you and challenges you mentally and physically to be sharp every day because those seasonal players, those veteran players who are coming to the latter stages of their career, 26, 28, 30, whatever it may be, um, they'll certainly tell a youth team player where to improve and how to improve quickly. You know? And speaking of veteran leadership, who are some of the people who you're looking to within this squad to really lead the club through this this interesting time to be a 49er, interesting time to be in Conference USA, period. Yeah, I mean, obviously you always look at your upperclassmen who've, who know the league well and know the college season. Um, you know, we've always prided ourselves on, you know, trying to get as much, as much collective leadership as, as individual leadership. But we do have some fifth-year seniors with us. Kelly Suggs and Sophie Soprello have been a, a large part of our success in recent years. Um, they they both came back due to uh, for you know they had injuries both their senior year so they had medical red shirts so bringing them back give us uh, a little bit more experience around the park in the dressing room off the field on the field uh, Meredith Hamby um, has been a consistent starter for us for many many a year um, great leadership you know just uh, just silent in, in our examples you know she doesn't have to be vocal she just you know, consistently trains at a high level. And then you, you surround them with other players like Abby State, Brianna Morris, Kate Hickson, players that have been around this program for a number of years who have seen it, worked through it, um, enjoyed great times, and even sometimes have to work through some tough times. But you look for as many players with leadership qualities as you can. And sometimes you just stand back and, and let other voices emerge because you never know who's really got that leadership quality in them until you step back and give them a little bit of a platform to, you know, you know, raise their voice or speak up or be more vocal. But um, I like the balance. We've got a young group of players, but we've got some wonderful veterans. And then you bring players like uh, Remy Roberts, who is a, a senior in status, but has missed a bit of time with us through. Uh, she stepped away with condition that she couldn't play, but even her coming back, Again, uh, sort of voice of reason, a voice of experience. So some quality players, um, but we do look to individually to try and promote that from the day they first arrived. So we've got a lot of young players and we put them in leadership meetings immediately. Uh, we nominate them for leadership councils. We get them getting their voice and giving them value to the program immediately. So really proud of, you know, the way we've developed a, a sort of leadership culture rather than just one or two individuals. Tell me about the newcomers. How are they adapting to this? And there may be a benefit to this is all they've ever known from the college experience versus other players like this is entirely different. How do you go about navigating one pandemic and two not having the 
the traditional, you know, all right, it's the fall, it's time to play. But for some of these players who may be coming from club and high school, particularly the high school side where, you know, you expect to play in the spring versus the fall, how are they adapting to everything so far? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we realize or recognize that they've missed out quite a bit in the last six months. Um, many of them lost their high school season. Many of them lost their spring club season, missed opportunities to play matches before they got here. So they were coming in basically from, you know, very little workout experience and physical um, preparation. Um, everybody was somewhat limited to what they could do. Um, it was on their own to kind of you know, stay sharp, stay as physically in as best condition as could be. We sent them as much soccer videos as we could to kind of encourage them to keep working. But the mentality of what it takes to be a 49er player was already instilled in them before they got here. Um, we told them, come in, be ready, um, come in with a good attitude, high work ethic, um, be prepared to not just blend in, but be prepared to stand out. And, um, you know, our performance coach and our athletic trainer did a great job staying in touch with these players throughout the, the off-season in terms of March, April, May, June, all the way through the summer. So even though they weren't playing, they were getting workouts and they were getting packets and they were getting Zoom calls about the program that I felt like they came in as as, as well-educated as, as any players ever come into a program because in years past, we kind of took a step back because we knew many of them were playing games or they were playing with their school teams or club teams and we didn't want to step on any anybody's toes or interfere too much but the fact they weren't playing games meant they were seeking out more from us about what do i need to do to prepare to be a 49er so they were well prepared in that sense and they've come in and then adapted extremely well um you know there's a large group of them that came in who's 13 and when there's that many they've got enough players were around them with similar sort of feelings and sentiments that they can lean on each other. If it was just one or two, I think they'd be slightly overwhelmed by, you know, stepping into a squad of 24, 26 players that have been around. But the fact there's 13 of them, um, it just, I think they leaned on each other as a resource and uh, they've pulled each other through the tough, the tough days of double training sessions or training excruciating heat or when their legs are extra heavy and they have to go again. So, um, no, they've been really impactful and um, really proud of the group and I uh, hope they're proud of themselves too. We try and remind them on a daily basis how well they've done to get in here and, and work and and get acclimatised. But it's been it's been a unique, as you say. It's been a challenge, as you say. But, I mean, from a standpoint of attention to detail and their application, it's been first class. What does training look like between now and the potential hopeful and scheduled spring season? Well, I think, you know, what we have to do, first of all, we're going to be waiting on more news from the NCAAs. I think later this month there'll be some more announcements. And uh, I think we're all on a, a pattern of a holding pattern, waiting to find out what we'll be permitted to do later in the month for September into October, November. Right now, it's just like an extended preseason. Um, we are going and training on a, almost on a daily basis until we're told differently. Um, but what we're trying to do is build them up slowly. Um, you know, we don't want any major in injuries. We don't want any soft tissue injuries. The last thing you want to do is thrust them into 11 v 11 sessions at practice on a regular basis. They're in good physical condition, but um, this is an opportunity to do a lot more small ball work. Um, we're breaking it down in, in small groups, you know, the goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, forwards. 
Um, and then when we do play games, we're not playing them for a high volume of minutes. We may play four eight-minute games. We may play six uh, eight-minute games. We may play three 12-minute games. So we're keeping the minutes of the games down so that we don't just run them and burn them out because, again, we're working towards the spring. We're not trying to be exhausted by the time we reach the spring. So we've got time. We're building them. Um, we're trying to give them the rest that they deserve, especially the weekends after Monday through Friday sessions. Um, but right now, I think any any coach in the country would say they'd love to have an extended time of preseason with their players, and that's what we've got. So um, building them, um, building their confidence, building their understanding of how we play, um, making them more of aware of our style of play, our formation, our, our tactics with the ball, our tactics without the ball. Um, so constantly educating them about how we want to be ready to play. The biggest test is we're not able to play against an opponent, so we still will be unproven like everybody else. And it doesn't appear that we'll be able to play any games in the fall, except for in-house. So until we can test ourselves, we don't know exactly where we are, except for what we see on a daily basis, which we feel good about. Until everything comes to fruition for the season itself, that one, you stay healthy, family stays healthy, and that the entire 49ers staff and players all stay healthy as well. And we greatly appreciate you joining us on Sports Charlotte once again, the Zoom edition, because that's what 2020 is all about, just Zoom and video calls and how do you stay connected in a somewhat distant world. So, Coach, we appreciate you joining us today. Make sure that you head over to the Queen City Podcast Network where you can check out Sports Charlotte and tons of other great podcasts from creatives all over the city. Until next time, I am your host, Ashley Mahoney. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Ashley. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Sports Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.